I'm Tom Kerr. When an employee sustains a significant injury which requires inpatient care and rehabilitation, going home is often the first major goal of recovery. But the comforts of home may not be so comforting if the person requires a wheelchair or other assistive devices to get around. On today's Inside Workers Comp, we talk with Nicole Usher of Apricus, who explains how home modifications can make an injured employee's home, home sweet home, again. Nicole, thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks, Tom, for having me. I'm glad to be here. So let's start with the basics. What is the purpose of home modification in a workers' comp case? So the purpose of home modifications in general is really support the health and safety of an injured worker when returning back into a home setting and also empowering them to live their daily life to the fullest potential. And when would home modifications be needed in a workers' comp case? Each case is unique and it really depends on the needs and ability of the patient. The clinical care team that's overseeing the patient's care will start to engage as the patient starts to transition back home whether a home modification is is required or needed. And it really depends on the level of support that's in the home, what type of injury has occurred, but the care team typically will start, you know, initiate that process. What types of modifications are often considered for injured employees to be able to return to home safely? So um, the most common that we see can be as simple as a ramp. If the entryway to their home has a threshold, even one inch, two inch, three inches can be an obstacle for a patient that's in a wheelchair. So we assess the entryways, the door frames if they're in a wheelchair. Also grab bars for stability in the restroom area especially so that they can have that normal function while they're back at home and support themselves. If there are stairs in the home, there could be a stair lift that's required. What point in the recovery process typically are home modifications considered? So in that recovery process, they will start to evaluate the patient's gait. Can they support themselves? Is there going to be needed additional support systems in the home while walking, standing, if they're going to be permanently in a wheelchair or in a wheelchair majority of the time? That's when the specialist will start to consider home modifications. Who is involved in determining what modifications are best for the injured employee? So we typically start with an occupational therapist. We use licensed and um, registered occupational therapists to go out and perform the home assessment for the patient. The OT is really looking at the patient's abilities. What can they do on their own independently? What is their ability to maneuver in the home? Are they in a wheelchair per se? So then they look at the ADA compliance regulations and making sure there's ways in and out of the home. If the doors are wide enough to support the patient and in their wheelchair, if there are any type of additional support needs. So are they able to transfer themselves from the bed to chair or are they mobile and don't need support there? So they'll evaluate the home, the space, the abilities of the patient and come up with an assessment that tells everyone involved exactly what is required in the home to make it safe for the patient. 
we typically will take that evaluation and we use what's called a CAP certified designer or contractor, and that is a certified aging in place specialist. They work with design. Um, they understand if you are, you know, depending on the situation, if you're in a wheelchair, how high do the cabinets need to be? Do we need pull down cabinets? Depending on the skills, ability of the patient, what are the needs? Do they have people in the home that will be supporting them? 24-7, are they completely independent? Those kind of things. So it's a collaborative effort. And then the most important is, is the patient or their support person at home. You want to make sure that they're comfortable with the designs that you come up with. So we do tend to engage the patient or uh, family member, the caregiver in the home. So obviously with home modifications, there's a lot of people involved, a lot of moving parts. So could you walk us through the process? So as and as you mentioned, there's a lot of moving parts. And there's a lot of people involved. So if we get an adjuster that needs help or support with a um, home modification, the referral will come to us and they come to us maybe from a nurse for an evaluation or it can come from the adjuster. The moment we get it in, we start to really identify all of the patient's ability. Are they ambulatory? Are, do they need assistance? Those kind of things. At that point, we assign it to a dedicated person on our team. We have CAP certified employees that handle. So we have a dedicated team that handles home modification. It would be assigned to one of those care coordinators. And then we discuss the goals with the adjuster and with the injured worker. What are we hoping to achieve with a home modification? Because realistic expectations are important for the outcome of the order. We perform on-site visits. We will go out with our vendors. We typically get three quotes from three separate contractors. They will all have typically similar designs based on the needs of the patient and what's medically necessary, but they will all have a different outlook on how to achieve the home modification and what's required. We receive all three bids back, and then we evaluate those bids and pass those off to the to the claims adjuster to make a decision. If there's additional questions, concerns, we can address those. We can ask follow-up questions to each of our contractors. And at that point, a contractor is selected. So that's the start, right? That's laying the foundation. We call that our pre-bid process. And when doing that, that's really important to understand, you know, the goals of the client, the goals of the patient, and moving forward with selecting the appropriate contractor for the job. Are there advantages to having a case manager on board when it comes to making home modifications? There are, especially depending on the severity of the case. It's critical that we can have somebody that really knows the patient, understands the intricacies of what we're dealing with, because that allows us to avoid potential miscommunications. It allows us to, to get another vantage point on bringing this to fruition. So we do like to have a case manager. And from a case manager standpoint, they may not understand construction, right? So they may need the partners and the expertise that Apicus brings to the table and the network of licensed and insured contractors that can come in. Um, and we handle all of the communication with those contractors so it really alleviates some of that administrative burden or any gaps in knowledge around the construction process 
for the, the case manager. So we really team together to make sure that they're getting the clinical aspects of what's required for the patient and that we're considering this, the design that will help them and empower the patient to really become as independent as possible and returning them back to the life as close as possible to what they had prior to their injury. And the injured employee is the focus of these home modifications, but oftentimes the injured employee has a family or roommates who are also going to be impacted by the modifications. So how do you work with the family to make them more comfortable with the process? This is a great question, and I think this is an opportunity for us to really engage the team. So this is an important portion of our process that's just dedicated to the family engagement. So making sure that we are considering in the home environment that ensures that the caregiver who will be spending the time with the patient and, and supporting them through this transitional phase, right, back to the home. So the goals for the injured worker also consist of the goals of their caregivers, and those are that that are closely tied to the care of the patient. So having an opportunity to talk with the, the group as a whole allows us to understand the caregiver. That could be a wife, a son, a daughter, close relative, and understanding are they the homeowners? Are they renters? And something that we would do for a renter may not be the same that we would do for a homeowner or if it's the sister's home, right? So we really want to be careful and consider the needs and the wants of those people that will be supporting um, because it is, it's a life altering, not just for the patient, but for their home life as well, for everyone involved. So we have those goal setting sessions and really lay out the fact that we're trying to get absolutely what's medically necessary, but with consideration of what's needed. And if we can achieve both of those things without impact to the client or to the budget, that's what we want to try to achieve. That's where we're going to get the best results. We have to get them to a point where they're comfortable. We don't want to overdo something or not enough, and it really impacts the person who owns a home or is in the homes, because then that can derail your entire project, which is also costly. So making sure that you get buy-in upfront, understanding, and then set realistic expectations definitely helps, but invite them into the conversation. So if the person has a landlord or a homeowners association, do you run into certain restrictions on making modifications? Or do you have the ADA on your side so you can make the home more accessible? So yes, we do have ADA on our side, but we're also very cognizant if they're not an owner, we have to get the buy-in from the owner of the property. We can't make changes without. There are alternatives to, instead of having a permanent structure, we can do temporary structures. If it's a ramp, if it is grab bars, those kind of things, or we can arrange to have it um, you know, in the contract and we're, when we're working with the contractor to be removed by a professional and brought back to pre-modification stages, those kind of things. So we do, it can present some obstacles, but we have worked um, and we've had every scenario you can think of. We do work closely with the homeowners to ensure that we get their buy-in, that we get their sign-off on any project before we begin, if that's not the injured worker. And But really making sure that we follow the necessary guidelines and the, the contractors that we have um, working for us will always know the zoning requirements, will work with the homeowners association if that's what's required. Typically, when it comes to ramps and other things, we don't have a problem because the ADA does say that you, you need accessibility, right? And you need to be safe in the event of an emergency, all of those things. So those typically 
work in our favor and it's not too much, but there are times where we've had to maybe paint or stain a ramp or some type of mechanical lift up and down, maybe if they have a deck. Um, we may have to just make sure that it, it meets the, the guidelines of the HOA. What about smart homes or the implementation of smart technology? Is that helping to make homes more accessible? I think it really depends on the injury because we have had patients that are quadriplegic, but still very in tune with what they want, how they want to get around. So we've had devices that are like a lift in the ceiling that are controlled by the patient himself. He will always have a caregiver, but he really wants to be independent, right? So having the ability for smart technology, I think is key. And it gives uh, another sense of freedom, if you will, to the patient, um, if it's right for them. And it's not always right um, in every instance to have something like that, but it does allow another alter an alternative to um, patients and empowering them to live their life. So I do think that we've seen, and it's been progressive over the last several years um, with technology. So I do think that it's important to always be evaluating the technologies and, and the equipment that's available in the homes. When modifications are done prior to the injured worker coming home, is your job done? Or do you have to revise or adapt things in the person's home before you can finally say, okay, we've made the home accessible enough to meet the injured employee's needs? That's a great question, Tom. So we actually have, as a part of our closing process, if you will, we have the patient come to the home prior to moving in or taking possession or to evaluate everything. So in case those modifications are needed, but we're not done until they sign off on the work. Everything is good. I can use the stair lift if, if it was a stair lift. The grab bars were installed and I feel comfortable with them. It could be the, the ramp is good and we're ready to go. So we get sign off from the patient or their representative prior to being done with the job. And then even after we get that sign off, we guarantee our work. So if they're in there working and they start to really utilize maybe a kitchen space, we will continue to do that. Um, we'll follow them through so they can give us a call back if needed. And we will get somebody out to either change the direction of a cabinet door or something that will help um, in their overall functionality of the space. Do you receive feedback from the case manager or someone else involved in the case about how a home modification changes the employee's psyche? Absolutely. So this is something that we take pride in, and it's not something that you're always going to hear um, or somebody's going to tell you outright, right, that they're struggling with this. But as we engage, we listen for those things, or we will ask case managers or their clinical care teams you know, is there anything that we should know, those kind of things. But we try to listen out for that. And I think giving the patient a part of the development process or questions really empowers them to, to build their future. And I think that can be extremely empowering for them. So we've heard in some instances when we're, when we're doing, especially these very large modifications, where they feel empowered, they feel um, a sense of relief or accomplishment for being engaged and involved. And obviously that's a fine line. We have to engage them to a point where they can feel empowered to move forward. But 
also keeping it walk the line of medical necessity. So we want them to make decisions right where they can, but knowing what decisions you know, we put in front of them and, and incorporate them into to the process is critical. And the team goes through that. And with the CHAMP certification, which is the Home Modification Accessibility and Disability, it's work comp specific. They train on that, that behavioral health and that emotional element of the process, because that's something that I don't think that people talk about enough. And having our staff that can hone in on that, I think really we're able to either navigate landmines or use that to our advantage, right? So I think that's a critical part of, of what we do and how we can help and engage either the case manager or the adjuster at right times if something is potentially going to be derailed. And it's about listening, you know, honing in and listening to those cues that maybe they don't speak out right. Um, but it's important that we're engaged from that regard. Can you give me an example of a home modification that made a significant difference in the injured employee's recovery? Absolutely. It was about a year ago, COVID, it, we were in the middle of it, but we had a patient who was catastrophically injured, had gone through rehab. He was renting prior to his injury. And as a part of his settlement, he was awarded a home to permanently modify. But he was probably mid to late 30s, had two small children that he took care of independently prior to his injury. So we needed to find a home and modify the home where he could still be the primary caregiver. I think the thing that's not quite talked about, and it's not in every single case, is the behavioral health aspect of injuries and getting them back to home and getting them with their children or their loved ones is critical. And this patient kept in touch throughout the, the process, but was overjoyed to be able to even though he had this catastrophic injury, come back, still take care of his children. He was progressing just overall prior to getting out of the, you know, the rehab. He wasn't sure what he was going to do. So mentally, and we actually had our adjuster that, that came back and said, this is night and day from the patient that we were seeing. He's very pleased with the home, pleased with his life balance now. Still needs a lot of support, but he was able to do things independently. So we found him the right home with the right modifications, making sure that he could still cook dinner for his children. Um, and it made all the difference in his overall health and well-being. So I think those are the things that are really important and maybe we don't think about single father or someone that has to be very independent on their own. But those are the kind of cases that make it worth it. There were some obstacles for us to get through, but we were very creative. We have a long-standing relationship with our, our occupational therapist. During COVID, we weren't allowed to go out in the field for the most part and tour some homes. So we were doing virtual assessments. We were able to fly out and see a couple, but really engaging the client, giving them options to purchase when homes are on the market for a day or two and being competitive in this space. Uh, but overall, it, it really did increase his overall satisfaction. So there, these things can make a difference. Thanks, Nicole. And we'll be back with another Inside Workers' Comp soon. Until then, thanks for listening.